Hi, my name is Rocio and I'm first-generation Dominican-American. Hi, I'm Mercedes and I am from Santo Domingo, República Dominicana. And we are Amplify the Afro in Afro-Caribbean. Hey, Rocio. Mercedes, my love. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good, good. What's popping? Yo, you know what's popping? The Broadway show I'm doing. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. How has it been going? Oh my God. It's been going so well. Everyone is loving it. I mean, it is freaking hilarious, Mercedes. It's like, I've been working on this show for over a month. And till this day, every time I see it, I belly gut laugh out loud because of how so funny. And I've seen these jokes over and over again. That's how funny it is. Tell our listeners, what's the name of the show? So the name of the show is called POTUS or Behind Every Great Dumbass is Seven Women Trying to Keep Him Alive. Ooh. And it's written by a great playwright called Selena Fullinger. And it has amazing stars in it, like Vanessa Williams, Juliana Huff. It has Lily Cooper. It has Rachel Dretch in it. It is, is I can't, I can't even believe that I'm a part of this show. It's a stellar cast. Yeah. And I'm and sure I you're learning want... so much too, like working with them, right? As an actor. Oh my actor. God, it's like a masterclass in every rehearsal. I'm literally watching masters work at play and totally learning so much. And I'm doing my best I can to never... I'm trying to be professional every day and just not fangirl and drool over everyone that's in the room. <laughs> yeah, I would be so distracted by the amazing acting. And then for our listeners, you are a fight and intimacy coach as well. Yeah. Not only am I an actor, I'm also a fight and intimacy director. And guess what, listeners? I'm going to offer a little special deal. Woo! First of all, follow us on Instagram. Rocio Mercedes podcast. Follow us on Twitter, RNM podcast, and maybe even email us at Rocio Mercedes at gmail.com. But if you do so and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, I will send you the amazing discount code to see this amazing show in New York City. So if you're in New York, if you're visiting New York, it is open until the end of August. Let us know, hit us up. And I will give you a discount code to get an expensive tickets to see this amazing all-star cast and this great comedy on Broadway. That's exciting, especially with just like coming back to the Broadway world and just coming back to seeing shows. It's getting warmer in New York. It's just a great time to go and support my girl. So, yeah, I am so excited for you. Yeah, and you're so sweet buying me a bottle of Ooh, champagne when you found out. I appreciate you so much, Mercedes, for oh, doing that. Girl, I really anytime, that. anytime. So I'm really that. excited about our guest today, Rocio. I I, I kind of has to do with sort of like your show, right? Your play still kind of a little bit about politics. A little something. A little something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that our guest is just super dope. And he's out in these streets doing some work and he's running for district leader, right? Mm. And it made us think about, well, actually, some of our top shows are about like 
deep topics, right? Like history and anthropology and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is just another taste of history. And yeah, I'm just excited about it. Before we get into the interview, Mercedes, if you were to run for office, do you know what you would run for? No. (laughs) Really? But I know some of the issues that I running for. Would you ever consider running for office? Uh, No. I respect what our politicians do and it's not an easy task. Totally. When I was in college, I I thought about majoring in poli-sci, right? Mm -hmm. But I just think there's so many issues going on right now. I know. Like here in, in SF, right? There's a lot of homeless issues. It's a big issue here. And it's 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 multi-layered. Just like in New York, right? There's homeless it, homelessness is an issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mental totally. health is an issue. Absolutely. And so yeah. I don't know. I those are big, big shoes to fill and a lot of things fall into place with that. And yeah. It's not an easy solution. But you can't ignore the, the issues going on when it comes to, to that. Yeah, totally. So that's something that I, if, if I was an elected official, I would, I would want to tackle. Yeah. What I about agree. you? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would want to, I'm super into local politics. So I feel like I would want to be like a council person or something like that to really get deep dive into like, a specific community and what it needs and what I what I could do as a leader there. But I agree. It's like at the end of the day, all the issues that I want to tackle are really personal to me. Like you said, homelessness, like it, it sounds selfish, but there's a part of me that it's hard living in New York City because I literally deal with it every day. And it's really hard because of course I feel terrible and don't think anyone deserves to be homeless or to be begging on the street. But sometimes when people get aggressive with begging, I'm like, I'm actually struggling just to keep up too in a different way. Yeah, it's a complex issue. Yeah, but I would want to do something local and just make sure that like local community was good. I don't think I would do anything big scale like Senate or... Mm -hmm. It made me think about when you mentioned local, I think I would do that too. Like made me think about shout out to Hennessy's, Hennessy's Aquino. Yeah. Who we had her in season one and she really like broke down some issues and Mm -hmm. just how important it is to be out with your community. And so that's why I'm really excited about Remy because... Remy's like really out in these streets. Like every time you see him on Instagram, he's like in the neighborhood, like giving out food or it just reminds me of how much we can do ourselves. We don't have to necessarily run. You can actually be part of helping your community. Absolutely. And volunteer. Like we need to be volunteering and helping our people. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, Remy, in case people don't know about Remy, He's also a professor. He's like busy and he's running for district leader. But a little bit more about him. Remy Sel Salas. He was born and raised in New York City, specifically in the Bronx. He's a professor for the Department of Ethnic and Race Studies, where he lectures courses on Caribbean politics, the Dominican identity and history. He's also a devoted community activist. He received a master's in philosophy in comparative and international education from the University of Oslo in Norway, which is awesome. He went international, a bachelor 
degree of arts and history from the University of Albany, SUNY, you know, rep that SUNY, uh, State University, whoop, whoop, and completed a graduate political program at Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government. He's a bomb.com. He's another Black Dominican. And this interview is just another extension of the exploration, not just of our history, but who we are as Black Dominicans today, Afro-Caribbean people today. And I'm really excited about everyone listening. Me too. Let's get him on. Yeah. So, Remy, hello. Thank you for being here on our podcast. We would like to start with you simply telling us about yourself. Uh, in simplest terms, my, my name is Remy Sensalas. Remy, I go as, as people call me in my neighborhood in San Domingo, they call me El Hijo de Negro, El Nieto de Doña Prieta, in Jaina. Um, but I was born in New York City, raised in the Bronx. Uh, lived some time in my early years in the DR. And then I, you know, from time to time, because, you know, sometimes you, you get opportunities. I have a lot of family in Norway where I was able to go to Norway for five years and, you know, and just grow as an individual there. Um, but growing up, I, tradi- I was a traditional kid from the neighborhood. I, I played basketball. I played basketball all my life. I went play at HBCU. Um, where, you know, being Dominican or, you know, I remember being called the black Mexican. So, you know, you start seeing things of how you're treated, but also I come from a very, um, very historical family in the Dominican Republic, the Alou family, where my uncle played in the fifties with Hank Aaron and in, in Atlanta, um, being one of the first Dominican baseball players, oh. I noticed like, Hey, you know, we, Hey, there's not much difference. We're all the same people, you know, we're all going to go through the same thing. It's not that you're going to go to a white counter and, and you'd be like, no, no, my friend, I'm Dominican. Let me eat here. You're just, they're going to eat over there. No, you're going to be outside as well or in the back. So, yeah. uh, you know, just, just a person that was just been observing of, of just, just how, just observing and trying to simplify the world. The world is so simple, but I think society has made us see in, in, through a different lens mm-hmm. that has confused our people and confused us to go against each other. So I'm just out here just trying to do the work and just simplify our minds by decolonizing our minds. Yes. Yeah. And you are a professor, correct? Yes. So I am a professor at the Department of Ethnics Ethnic and Race Studies at um, CUNY, uh, BMCC. Um, And I've been teaching for four years there. Um, But I've taught early on at Lehman College um, about 10 years ago. Mm, Okay. And what do you teach? So I teach the history of the Dominican Republic, as well as Black political theory. Um, So anything in those spaces in terms of understanding the cultural Caribbean how the Caribbean is connected to one of the other and the political aspects of it. What exactly is Black political theory? Um, since I'm still putting it together, I look at, I look at the theories of W.D.B. Du Bois. That, so Black people, when I say Black people, I, I mean everybody from that diaspora. We all have different ways of thinking. 
Mm-hmm. They all have different ways of the way we see the world. So you have Dubois, you have Booker T. Washington, that they were kind of rivals. They saw the world differently. But also you have Angela Davis. You have so many people that want to push the needle different uh, in, a diff- in a different capacity politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have, I, I try to incorporate Nipsey Hussle, Pac, because Pac had his own way of saying how are we going to be able to move the needle forward, Black Panther Party. And just understanding that it's not all, nobody's way is the right way. It's just the way that we're going to move our people forward. And that aspect of where their geography is, uh, they try to move the needle forward. So even in the Dominican Republic, we talk about, we talk about Peña Gomez and things of that nature. Can you talk a little bit more about how Blackness is defined in Dominican Republic? Oh, it's that's so complicated. And it's something that affects almost every Dominican, almost every day. Um, some, not all Dominicans, but many Dominican capital of being Black, they see all the great, you know, they see like Michael Jordan, LeBron, they see all these great people on TV that they admire. They're all Black. So a lot of people are very proud. I've, I've noticed that. Uh, but then there is a capacity of being Black, being associated with Haiti. And then the whole historical aspect of that, and it becomes a whole negative item. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it, Blackness is, I think it's confusing in every aspect, not just in the Dominican Republic, in Black America, mm-hmm. in Europe, and European Blacks are very confused about it. Even in Africa, which I just came from, is very, very complex because not knowing that we all are probably very interconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you're saying that like when Dominicans may potentially look at Black Americans different from like Black Haitians, they they don't see them the same, even though they are, I guess? No, they they may, Dominicans, we may look at Black, Black. So I think that's what we get confused about uh, ethnicities. That's not Dominican. Or associated, or if you're Dominican and you're not como el fin or things of that nature, you are already on the Haitian side. Like you're already mm-hmm. Haitian, being associated with Haiti is probably, you know, they're in DR, it's the most negative thing, yeah. right? They, they see that as the sort, like I'm, I, I am proud to say, yes, my grandfather is, a, they call him a Hadita, which was a, a mixed Dominican and Haitian, right? Today, one of my family members from my my mother's side would have to call me a Haitian. I'm bothered by that because I know that they mean it in a different type of way. Mm-hmm. So blackness in the Dominican public, a lot of people are very proud. I know where I'm from and my family, they're very, very proud. Um, some portion of my family, they're very, very proud of being black. They, they taught me as a young man to always be proud of where we come from um, and just understanding there. But in the you know, you go to different families, they may see it very differently and they may have a more of a negative connotation to, towards it. And I think that's why I'm so passionate in teaching the history of the Dominican Republic yeah. and, and connecting the dots in, in terms of like how our whole culture is Black. Mm. Yeah. So Speaking of that, how, how did the island split for, to Dominican Republic and Haiti? Like, how did that even happen so that came about so there was a so i i will 
so the island, it was a very, it was just making so much money for the colony, uh, for the Spanish monarch, that other European um, countries wanted to do the same. There were so many islands, but they wanted this island. So there was a little small island called Tortuga Island, where the British, the Dutch, and the French, they fought for it as pirates, just trying to inter- intersect um, their riches. And, you know, one person making money, there's always going to be a bunch of people hating on you. They want to make money. They yeah. Want- and that's basically because remember the Dominican Republic's significance is that it was the first place in this new world where the uh, civilization was being um, colonization was happening, mm-hmm. and also where they imported slaves. So, um, looking at Tortuga Island and those battles, and there were so many battles in Europe, um, just to, uh, so many different battles that they translated into the new world. And then there was a treaty that was done, which was the Treaty of Resnick. And that Treaty of Resnick split the island and it gave it to the French. And French made it into St. Dominique. And then the eastern side became, as a treaty, Santo Domingo. Mm. So then there was a split there. Yes. Wow. I remember when we had Anthony on, he, we, we were talking a little bit about Haiti. We wanted to dive deeper because we know that you talk a lot about the Haitian Revolution. Why is it so important or how important is it to, in order for us to know our true history, to include Haitian history or Haitian revolution? To be honest, that you can't speak about the Dominican Republic without Haiti because Haiti's significance is that they could have just gone on and say, hey, we're free and we're not going to bother anybody. But they decided to free the Eastern side. And, um, mm-hmm. and that played a major part in terms of going forward, in terms of all different things formed in the Eastern side. Um, ending slavery and also also having those 22 years, Haiti did play, has played a major part in terms of the formation of the Dominican Republic. And, you know, you can't have, you can't think of Juan Pablo Duarte without the whole Haitian uh, rebellion happening and then the whole uh, 22 years of Haiti uh, being in the Dominican Republic where having Juan Pablo Duarte and Meja and 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 Rosario, you can't have those uh, those our forefathers without having Haiti. But Haiti, being the simple fact that they ended slavery for us and um, showed us showed the world that we can be independent. Because after Haiti's revolution, it went into um, Louisiana in the United States. You know, Jamaica. It just mm-hmm. it was a catalyst. Haiti helped uh, uh, La Gran Colombia. La Gran Colombia is a number of nations in South America, the Simón Bolivar, Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador. So Haiti's significance is not just to the DR, is through this side of the world where it actually implemented um, the, the future on how slavery was going to be conducted in, in this side of the world. So, wow. you know, so Haiti coming in, freeing the, the Western side, it allowed us, it allowed them to get rid of um, the in the Eastern side. And one thing that people do leave uh, uh, behind is that there was another treaty that made the Eastern side French. So that's what made the, uh, the, uh, the Haitian revolution um, easier to go into the Eastern side. So that means the Spanish did not have anything to do uh, after 1804, um, this, the Eastern side was technically the French. So- oh. Yes. So people did not, you know, they lost that treaty and that's what the um, the French had the whole entire island. The reason that, 
Yeah. Well, that makes even more sense, actually, why, for what we know now, is the Haitians going into the eastern side because they want to make sure it doesn't happen again. This is just so infuriating that they just don't include this information when, you know what I mean? Like, no one taught us that. Like, when I, I hear about this, from like family members or other Dominicans, it's like they invaded us. They took, you know, and it was like off, like this, like it's this awful, awful thing. When in fact, maybe there was violence. We're talking about what the the past was always very violent, but like it still was for the embetterment and the empowerment of the black and indigenous people there. So one thing that I do mention is that if you were the Afro Dominican at that time, and you see that the Haitians are coming on this side of the island. You're not gonna be like, no, no, tigre. No, you're gonna see you're gonna see you're gonna see another black man on a horse slapping your master around, and you're gonna be like, yeah. this guy. This yeah, guy, exactly. He, he's on a horse and he's over here dressed up. You know, you you, you they, the elites write on certain history. So I think now Dominican history is being is being amplified where you're seeing a lot of uh, not just the whole racial aspect of it, but also you're seeing women being amplified. There's a lot of women leaders. Mm. They have not been mentioned in the past. There have been a lot of leader, black leaders that haven't been uh, mentioned in the past because it was the leaks they were writing. But mm-hmm. now it's a different time that things are being amplified. And Which are some Dominican women leaders that you can so, mention? I know Mama Tingo. Yes, her story. She's yeah. from Monte Plata. That's, yes. That's one time. Yeah. Who is she? I want to know. I, I want to know if I want to see. I want to see what Yaman. She was a, a, a revolutionary. She uh, helped uh, people fight against slavery. Mm. Right. No, she she's done more than that. She's more in the Activist. modern context. In the what? So, in the modern context. But um, Mama Tingo is uh, she she's more modern than the slave era. She. She she fought deeply in terms of injustices, um, injustice as well as it's it's just so it goes deeper than that. It's yeah. um, in terms of the poverty, how people were taking lands in terms of ownership, right, right. Uh, uh, also the rights of women. Uh, so Mama Tingo is somebody that really nobody really talks about, but she is uh, just superb in terms of not com- not letting down. And not backing down, and she, yeah. and she, she was killed. She was that. killed, yes, yeah, yeah. But in terms of leaders, uh, other leaders, I would say, um, well, the Mirabal sisters, of course. Mirabal, Mirabal that's sisters, also more modern. Yes, more modern. For more modern. one that's modern that I, I really like that nobody really messes her is Amelia Mejia. Mm-hmm. Um, so she started the feminist movement um, early on. Wow, in the Dominican Republic where, remember, many women were, their whole thing was, they couldn't go to school. The whole thing is, yeah. to, you know, being able to be a wife and, and serve the house, right? Mm-hmm. And she started amplifying that we, you know, women can do much more than that, be teachers, be professionals. And that her group, um, which mobilized many women, um, were able to get the voting rights um, through Trujillo. And Trujillo, you know, he was just a massive, massive force against women uh, as well. Yeah. So her being able to stand up, like Delia Weber, a, a writer that also was part of that movement, um, 
It's something that's not being. It, I, I'm on, I only know about it because I, I walk around Santo Domingo in the capital and I and I saw the name. I thought it was kind of cool, and I just started like googling. That was just one of those. Oh things. wow! And she had one of the biggest grave sites in La Capital by um, La Zona Colonial, and I was like, "Hey, her grave site is so large that she must have been somebody important, or mm. very loved." And then if you Google her, you'll see that she's written many works and was really there for Afro Dominicanas mm-hmm. um, around you know her time. Yeah. Remy, I have a question. So like, you know, we just had Dominican Independence Day, right? And yeah. I don't know if you saw there was like some little image meme thing going about going around about like I had to look for it because I wanted to read it exactly verbatim. Like what to the Afro-Dominican is the 27th of February, right? I don't know if you got to see it. And they were talking about like, well, basically like there was a I think it's in Cultured Co. They they had a little thing. And they were mentioning Dominican independence and they were talking about the Haitian Revolution and how basically like what we said before, you can't have Dominican independence without the Haitian Revolution. But that created kind of like a little bit of uproar, uproar for some people. They didn't agree with that. Can you. Isn't that true? Like, I mean, I I just thought that that was you can't have. We can't have the Dominican independence without the Haitian Revolution. Look, they ended they ended slavery. They ended slavery uh, for the entire island. They came in. Uh, you had a lot of diff- like that means that means if they they, they never would have done that. If the Haitians never would have done that, let's just make believe that never happened, right? And the French got the treaty, and they and they were able to take over because. Um, Bonaparte was getting stronger and stronger. The, what, what made him weaker is the loss of Haiti. Mm. So if he would have got stronger and stronger, right now we would have been speaking French. Because I, on paper, the DR became French. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. so see, I think that's where the confusion is, though. Like you said, that's a part of history that's like not covered because I think people thought Dominican Republic, Dominican Independence Day was independence from Haiti when oh, it's no. independence from France. No, no. So, so now, like, that's what you know, like, what that's where I think the confusion is. No, no. So, I, I went back a little bit too much. So, so 1804, <laughs> the Haitian Revolution, it, it, the Haitian independence occurred January 1st. The thing is, is that then they ended up going over there. You still have 1804, 1822 is when Haiti unified the whole country. So that's a long period. During that little period, you have the Spanish Boba time. You have just a lot of different changes happening in the, in the island. But at the end of the day, Haiti went in and they went into the, uh, to the eastern side and then unified the whole entire island with President Boyer. And Boyer was implemented. And there's, there's a reason why it didn't work out. Um, it's just very di- two different types of um, people, uh, governing people. Um, and it just didn't work out. I still think that peace should always be and respect should be between both countries. So it didn't work out. And, and then the independence of the, the Trinitaria happened and then they had the independence. Great. And it was against, of course, it, it was against Haiti. Oh, I see. Okay. But I, I'm, I didn't see that post, but I, if you talk to a lot of uh, black you know, people that are very Afrocentric, they look at 1861 um, 
or after La- and the, the restoration period when Luperon um, um, in 1865 um, defeated the Spanish. Uh, because mm. remember, in 1861, you know, Pedro Santana uh, called back uh, the Spanish, and the Spanish were uh, took over, and then many Dominicans, the consensus of the Dominicans, did not want the Spanish back. They wanted to, you know, the Tinitarios, they wanted a total independent country. The elites wanted to be under Spain. And then the, uh, a civil war broke out, and um, the Dominicans, they defeated, and that's when everybody came together. And then you think about Hostos, um, which we have a college in CUNY, also mm-hmm. a, a Puerto Rican um, educator and uh, activist, that he came in and, and, he, and he said that this is the fight where everybody came together to get rid of the Spanish. And many people, mm-hmm. historians, some people say, hey, that's the, that should be the, you know, the independence. But also, you know, because of tradition, I know that we always... Um, look at the 27th of February as Independence Day. And they, they, and they fade away. They fade away from Haiti okay. on February 27th. But in 1865, after the restoration period, they fought against the Spanish. Yeah. So it, the DR, it was always back and forth. Politically, it was just a lot of things. Remember, Dominican Republic is the country with the most constitutional changes. Wow. So you can still look that up. Conversation changes changes all the time. Wow. I was just going to I was going to talk about a little bit about your trip to Africa, because I think it's so I am. It's one of my goals to go to Africa. And I would love for you to share the importance or the similarities that you found within our own culture and in Ethiopia. But really the importance of us going to Africa to learn more about who we are. I think that being able to travel has opened my eyes and my lenses. Uh, and I think that just being able to travel and see something else, it opens up your eyes. I, so I went to Ethiopia. I was in Addis Ababa, Addis Ababa. And where I was able to speak about, um, you know, just the collaborations between, you know, bringing the Caribbean and, and, and Africa together in the future. And then I was able to, you know, speak to members of the um, African Union in terms of, you know, the power that the Caribbean has. And, and what if one day we get it together and see all these resources that we can have? Because El Dominicano, the Dominican, se lo busca. Yes. Anyway, the, the Dominican immigrant, he se lo va a buscar. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, an African immigrant from Ghana, Ni- Nigerians, se lo van a buscar. They're going to mm-hmm. get it. So if the workforce that every other, you know, developed country in Europe, they take it from from Africa, even the resources taken from us. What if we keep the resources and keep the manpower and, and have more faith in terms of the development uh, of, of different countries? It's, it's just going to be a next level thing. And I think Af- Africa as a continent, as a whole, it's going to, it's the future, it's the wave. Um, one thing that I showed when I was in my, in my, on my Instagram, I was just showing different aspects of it, how developed it is. Mm-hmm. The currency is almost at the same level as the Dominican Republic because I had family members talking to me like it was, you know, I was going to, I'm in a desert, comiendo, eating nothing when mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very developed. And, um, and I just think that going forward, um, you know, it's just going to get better. 
And I think a lot of investors, I've seen a lot of foreign investors, they see it and this is why they capitalize. And I just want to just want to, just want to make sure that our people in the Caribbean understand because when I went to West Africa um, and the country of Togo, I saw the foods that we eat, like fufu, straight up mango. Yeah. Everything that, everything that we eat is, is very similar. That's, what, that's why I, I have a, a, a great appreciation for the culture. And they have the music, same exact. The way that we are with our people is exa- exactly the Dominican Republic in our culture. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that we just have to, I think the lack, the lack of us trying to come together has given white supremacy the way. Yeah. So I think the, I, I look at like my ancestors, right? I, I feel my ancestors with me when I was in Africa, when I was mm-hmm. in the continent. And I look at our people, since we're all Dominican here, like, wow, how white supremacy has still, that beef between Haiti and DR, it goes back between French and the Spanish, right? And then, and, and then we don't look, we have the same type of blood, African blood, uh, as people from Jamaica. And then we still can't even work with other Caribbean countries. Like we're all separated mentally. When people in Africa looked at us like, these are our cousins. Let's work mm-hmm. together. So being over there, you just get a sense of understanding. You wake up, uh, everybody looks like you. You know, the, the, there's a lot of different foods. Um, but you you understand that the seasoning is always going to be very similar. Like it just, it's just... Adi's Baba, it was straight up Santo Domingo. And um, it's something that opened my eyes every morning. I thank God that I was be, I was able to really experience that. What do you think we can do? How can we, we do that connection more, bridge that connection with us Dominicans in Africa? I mean, just, it's going to, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a hard question. Personally, I, I know that I did my DNA test and 60 per, I came out 60% African. And really? African. Oh my gosh. I, I, I would not have believed that. <laughs> I know, I know. I, 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 no, no, no. no, no, but it, it's, okay. you know, I, I remember showing my grandfather, he's like, they don't, they don't, you know, he's already blaming my grandfather. Right, right, right. That's your mom's side. Okay. Um, but being 60%, I, and it's mostly people from Ghana. Ghana and Sierra Leone, ten percent um, Gambian, ten percent Nigerian. So I, I already I've been looking at how I'm going to be able to capitalize and you know buy land or do something like that. And you know one of my biggest um, one of my biggest influencers in my life that influenced me to become a professor and and, and, and led me to academia was W. B. Du Bois and the Bois always talked about he retired and, and went back to Ghana because mm-hmm. you know that's the native land and um I I just think that if we all start buying in land that we you know that our people they're they're actually waiting for us they that's what they, they keep talking about we're waiting for everybody to come back um because of what happened with, with slavery but just being able to to invest our money in property or real estate or in companies in 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 the motherland um, I think it's the first step being able to travel because um, people think it's unsafe. Um, I think building the tourism um, um, aspect uh, it will really help. I think what Afrochella did for Ghana is really big. Um, 
But Alice Baba is also, it's just a very magical uh, land. Remember, it's, it's, a, it's the land where they first found the first human being. Um, believe it or not, they, it's very similar to our culture. We got the, mm-hmm. the parties, the people dancing, <laughs> the people happy. Yeah, but, you know, you it, it's just amazing. You just you you're automatically gonna feel at home, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and believe it or not, our people look very similar. Yes, to mm-hmm. to to them. I, they thought I was from the southern portion, which is like close to Kenya. They thought I was Ethiopian from that side, and I thought that you know they embraced me with yeah. open arms. And this is where I tell some Dominicans, I'm like, okay, you think you're Spanish? Let's see if you feel the same way when you go to Spain. Right. And like, yeah, exactly. And they'll be like, oh, tú eres nosotros. No, they're going to be like, go back to your country. Yeah. So, so in Africa, they're like waiting for us. They want us to, to do more. And um, Africa's so developed. Um, different, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying the continent, but I'm saying like the, you know, from Togo that people don't talk about. There's so many industries. There's so much untapped potential. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be our time for people from the Caribbean, people from the um, diaspora to really to go over there. Yeah, I got the opportunity to go to Kenya and Tanzania, and it was really, really fantastic. I had a great time out there, and I recently did a DNA test as well. And I'm also mostly West African, so that's like the next goal is maybe. Go. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Me. <laughs> West African? Random other little things. It was just really interesting. But of course, it was like 70% West African though. Yeah. Remy, I want to go back a little bit, a little bit back to when we were talking about Haiti, what sometimes is going on in Dominican Republic and Haiti with us Dominicans here and Haitians. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can we do Yeah, because I have a lot of friends that are Haitian here and I collaborate with them a lot. Um, like there's a Dominicans love Haitians movement. We spoke to yeah. shout out to Claribel. She's out here creating, you know, change by having events and, and movement that that creates forward thinking about our relations. What else do you think we can do? I think that we, we should stop the stereotypes and looking at them as the enemy. I think that one of the matter of fact, in the Haitian uh, revolution and in, in, uh, and in, on their flag, it says, La Unión hace la fuerza. Only if we knew we come to basically just being able to work together. I mean, when Haitians come to the Dominican Republic, they there to work. You're not going to see them. You're not seeing them in Venezuela. And no, they're not, they're not doing anything. They, they go there to work. Just like immigrants that come here. We, mm-hmm. we come here to work and we, we mind our business and we're doing what we got to do. All right. It's, the irony is that, you know, the biggest... You know, sometimes the immigrants that are here that are people, they're the ones that discriminate against them. I think that we should just stop with stereotypes um, because I heard all types of stereotypes against Haitians. I, I heard that if the eyes are yellow, you're Haitiano, uh, Haitians eat people, eat, eat kids, you know, like stuff like that. When I go to the Dominican Republic, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not good. It's not, it's not, you're reinforcing uh, what's happening, especially it, after the Trujillo time period, where they emphasized emphasized um, that the Haitian is the enemy, when Trujillo himself was his grandmother was Haitian, you know, and um, I think that being able to have a working relationship, a lot of things in Haiti right now is is not politically is not working out. Is they're having a lot of issues right now, mm-hmm. but I believe 
I believe if, there, if there's there's ways to have more better diplomatic relationships as well as social relationships, I think that's the first step. So uh, when you said that movement, uh, the Dominican loves Haitians movement, that's that's an aspect. That's a that's a that's an aspect in terms of helping with the narrative, mm-hmm. uh, and and as well as um, it, all the other ones that I've seen online. But I, I it's just understanding that we can work together. There's yeah. no reason why we can't work. We can't. We we don't have to be one nation again. We can be yeah. our nations, mm-hmm. and that's great. We can, and I want to be clear with that. Like, hey, we could be one. We could be two different nations, but we can work together. There's no reason why. Yeah. You, see a, you know, you see a Haitian, and you that doesn't mean you have to go and fight or right. create a you know create a problem. There, there's ways to work. Absolutely, uh, and there's ways to make money together. Yeah. Maybe there they could be um a tourism thing item that you know, can be developed or trading between both nations that they can, they can work something out because the more negative, the more we focus on the negative, we're wasting more energy there. We're wasting more money there. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just, just reinforcing the past. When mm-hmm. we come forward. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's just my, my way of seeing it because, uh, that, that's bueno. For real. Just wanted to quickly mention and quickly talk about your book club. You have a book club with Dominican writers, right? With yeah. Angela Abreu, who was a guest of ours as well in the past. And I just wanted you to maybe talk about it because maybe some of our listeners would join. Yes. And also, if you can share some books that you can recommend for those on that journey of yeah. learning more about our history and knowing more about who we are. Absolutely. And, and, and the irony is that this is the next book is the Dominican Republic book by Frank Moya Pons. It's the primary book that I use for my class. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the book that many Dominicans in my class is like, wow. Only the, the, once they read the first three chapters, like, wow, I didn't know. Uh, they think that life starts after Trujillo. And, mm-hmm. and that's what Trujillo wanted you to, to wow. think. That's how he programmed this. And this is what I'm trying to say, generational stuff. Yeah. So being able to read these academic publishings and understanding uh, understandings is really going to set us apart and move forward. So the book club, we had the first one, which was the Black Jacobins, um, which was in February. Um, and it was a book about the Haitian Revolution and Santo Domingo Revolution that happened in, in, uh, in, in the Dominican Republic and how, you know, the Black, the black movement that's barely documented. Um, once we finished that one, I was very successful. Uh, the next one is, like I said, the Dominican Republic, which is going to be next month. Um, I believe the 19th at 7 p.m. Um, you can sign up through the Dominican Writers uh, Association on their Instagram, on their website, and you'll see the Dominican Book Club. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to do something quarterly. And okay. my next book, I didn't want to say too much about Mama Tingo because... Because oh. I'm trying to find the right uh, awesome. book for that. Oh, yeah. that's awesome! And, you know, I want to, or something where I highlight uh, a Dominican black woman that did a lot of things. Because the challenges for a Dominican woman it, it's much greater than being black, and and a woman in the Dominican Republic is much greater than anything else. And for and we had a lot of we had a lot of um, heroes. 
that are not mentioned. So uh, I'm still working on certain books um, for the next book club, but there's many books in terms of the Dominican people um, by Inoa Saga. That's also gives you the whole comp, the whole complete history of the DR. Um, and it's, it's, um, and it's very helpful. If you want to get more academic texts, um, you can look at the Dominican Studies Institute. Mm. They have so many books, you know, just like um, Stevens, um, and, you know, he, he wrote many wonderful things in, in terms of Dominican Blackness. Uh, but you just have to search for it. Um, go to yeah. Scholar, um, how I tell people, and, and just look for books. But just keep your eyes open with the Dominican writers uh, in terms of what we're going to put out there. Because this is something I discussed uh, with Angela, how we move forward, what, what books we pick, uh, and what strategies that we want to be able to educate our people. Yeah. And shout out to Dominican writers. They're doing big things. They are always out here promoting our work, promoting our authors. And the great thing about the, the book club is that on the on YouTube, you can watch the replay of the book club as well. So the, the, the first one is on YouTube for our listeners. They can catch up and watch it on YouTube Dominican writers page. So, Remy, oh, my gosh, we can talk to you forever, but we know you probably have tons of stuff to do. But before you go, we wanted to ask you our final questions, which are first one is what are your three favorite things about the Dominican culture? I know there's so many, but wait, wait, wait. I I, I just want to make sure that our listeners know that. Yes. Everything here is free flowing. Yes, I wish yeah. I wish I would have time to really think of certain things, but <laughs> my top three. Um, man, I love our culture so much. So I have so many. I love how we talk to our love language, like the way we talk to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, the way we we crack on each other. Yeah, you know, like we we have Dominicans are very very funny people, mm-hmm. and I feel bad for anyone who's not Dominican that might not understand us. But Dominicans, we are funny, funny people. So I love our humor right. and our, our sense of who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the second thing is our food. Um, our food is top-notch. And you can see it all over the world. Like, you know, dulce de leche, that's mm-hmm. from DR. There's leche, and then you see it anywhere, that's from DR. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love our food. Um, and three hours and it's just so many because i would say music because our music is transcends transcends everywhere bachata mm-hmm. um but i would say I, I don't i don't something that's also not people may not talk a lot about is dominican mothers dominican mothers are like and then just i feel like there needs to be a study on them because <laughs> either, either where you go they say the same thing <laughs> you get heard that bueno que te pase you know, you're like, what? Like, Dominican mothers are a whole different um, mm. thing. And I, uh, so I'll say my top is our, our sense of community, how, how, we, how, we, how we work together and how we talk to each other. Our, the second thing will be our uh, the food. And, um, and, and number three, the maternal um, aspect in family um, in terms of our mother, grandmothers, um, uh, I it's something that I value. I think my mother and my grandmother have always been um, something that made me who I am. Yeah, that's such a great point that 
that I'm noticing about Dominican mothers. It's true. You can go into any household and you there's certain phrases that will be there no matter what. It's what? really spectacular. The very, very final question okay. is... Final question. Final question. Okay. How do you celebrate you? What you mean? How do you celebrate yourself? What do you do to... To be like, these days. Remy is the bomb and I'm going to celebrate me. I have, I'm weird with this. I think that giving back is the way I celebrate. Uh, I find that to be very therapeutic. So being able to be with my people in the Bronx, giving out food or, you know, having a little corito. Um, you see me all professional, everything, but I be, I be in these blocks and I, and I like, <laughs> I like, I like to be with my people. And, uh, and when I say my people, Anybody from Bass or anybody from the borough, I just like to be there. So being able to give back, that's how I celebrate. Um, and on a social setting, I'm, you know, people see me in diving. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Amazing. I mean, I'm amazing. I'm, I'm like, my mind is blown. Yeah, I, I need to really work on planning a trip to Africa. Africa is the bomb.com. Yeah. I really enjoyed I've been to East Africa as well, Kenya and um, Tanzania. And I'm excited to try West Africa next time. Me too. So, -hmm. listeners, if you enjoy the episode, holla at us, send us a DM, slide up into our DMs at Rocio and Mercedes. And if you love us and you got some extra dough, go ahead and become a Patreon because it helps us keep creating amazing content and there's different tiers. So go on patreon.com slash Rocio and Mercedes. Yeah, we love y'all. Thank you for continuing to listen. And we really, really hope you enjoyed the show. Of course, give us any comments, reviews, anything on Apple Podcasts. You can hit us up on our DMs or email us at rocioandmercedes at gmail.com. See you guys soon. Peace out, y'all. Bye.